0: Welcome to the podcast, where you will learn everything you need to be a successful student at any level of academic study. Listen each week as I interview experts, leaders and students. If you are studying or thinking about it, you will need practical tips, techniques, coaching and support to help you get finished and be successful. While you're listening, please take a moment to rate and review the show. Links and info are always in the show notes. So join me now as you listen in, learn, take action, and succeed. Good afternoon, everybody, and a very warm welcome to our weekly Learn In Your Lunchtime webinar. As you should know by now, if you've been following me for a while, we have a vibrant student success coach community, uh, which we talk about and through which we have this platform uh, to share top tips and secrets and experts like Jean that we've got today everything regarding student success, uh, helping you get through your studies your qualifications, whether it's undergraduate, postgraduate, and even on into the workplace. Uh, So making sure that you're teed up for the best possible uh, future in whatever career it is that you've chosen. And I'm thrilled today to welcome Jean Berger into our studio. Uh, We're gonna be talking about CFA and Jean is gonna give a bit of an introduction to himself and some background about what he's doing. And some exciting news about what he's coming, what's coming out, yeah. you know, from his brand uh, in the next number of months. Uh, so we'll be grilling John on, uh, you know, exactly what that's all about and where you guys can get value and get more information. Um, but before we get there, just a reminder that uh, for those of you in the Student Success Coach uh, Facebook group and our broader community, uh, we've been running a bit of a laptop giveaway there. So very excitingly. Uh, about halfway through this webinar, we'll be announcing that. Tracy Ashington will be joining us uh, to announce the winner there. And uh, as you should know by now, we've done this uh, once before. And uh, you know we're thrilled to have donors who make contributions uh, into the community because we have a number of students obviously struggling. And if you don't have the basic tools and things that you need, uh, it's going to be even harder for you to get through um, your studies. All right, so I think let's uh, let's get into the discussion uh, with John and uh, let's give John a bit of an opportunity just to to introduce himself, uh, tell us about his background, what does he spend his days doing, and uh, why is here today? John good afternoon, welcome, and thanks for joining us.
1: Well, yeah, good morning from London, really. Um, so yes, thank you very much, Peter. Really, really honoured to be here. Um, your reputation precedes you, and it's uh, super exciting to be uh, part of this uh, discussion today. So. Thank you very much
0: for having me yeah that's absolutely a pleasure Jean. and uh indeed i hope it's warming up there a little bit for you in london where are starting to get a little bit colder here in south africa as we head into uh winter okay john so you have spent the better part of the last couple of decades i think really helping people get through their cfa exams um so tell us a little bit about that and the type of work that you do you know with people who want to to study Uh, CFA? What what is CFA? Why would people do it? And and how do you help them be successful?
1: Well, sure. Um, CFA stands uh, for Chartered Financial Analyst. Um, What it is, it's a postgraduate finance qualification. Probably, um, people will choose to do CFA while deciding do I do a CFA? Do I do an MBA? Or do I do a master's in finance? So typically, folks who come and study with me are, are kind of thinking, Okay, do I want to do an MSc? A master's in finance, uh, with all the costs involved with that, and it, it can be quite pricey. Do I do a CFA where um, it's essentially a correspondence course, probably a, a qualification that is the most recognised financial qualification in all the world of finance, investing, investment banking, etc. more in the wholesale as opposed to the resale banking side, or do I do an MBA? Um, what it typically then gets uh, decided between is, Folk typically do the CFA or a master's in finance, and then later on with a bit more management experience, they do an MBA. There's a post-grad qualification, so you would have had to have done a degree or an accountancy qualification prior to doing the CFA. So I'm, I'm, I'm teaching postgrad students, typically ages between 22 and 42. That's quite a wide range of folk that I teach. So um, that's what it is. And in terms of what I've been doing, um, I've, um, I, I've been teaching here in London mainly, um, CFA, but also Edinburgh, Frankfurt, Amsterdam, and pretty much anywhere you can imagine from New York to Shanghai uh, for the better part of two decades. Came over to London in 2005, and uh, it's just been a, a roller coaster ride since. So, even with me and my little South African passport, um, the CFA for me was a global passport uh, that allowed me to travel the world and teach. Uh, and, 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 you know, it could have been employees of the world's largest asset managers. Uh, I suppose in South Africa, you'd be thinking about old mutuals and sunlums of the rest of the world. You're looking at the Fidelities and the Black Rocks, investment banks like Goldman Sachs or Investec or um, uh, Morgan Stanley, um, those kind of guys. Um, And um, yeah, it's folk who are sort of um, looking to take on an analyst role and uh, all folk who've got a sort of uh, more technical, techie background or pure accountancy background or uh, even ex-military folk got that bit of their career and they want to get more into the asset management side of things, uh, they would do the CFA. And the nice thing about the CFA, although it's an American qualification, it is the the standard. Um, I think the Financial Times referred to it as the gold standard in postgrad finance qualification. That one qualification, the exam you write, whether it is in Shanghai, Johannesburg, New York or London, that exam is is essentially the same exam. And so uh, big employers. Like the Black Rocks, like the Goldman Sachs, for example, will recognise that credential. Know that there's a uh, an international standard, which uh, they can trust. Which is why the largest employers of CFA uh, charter holders would be those companies. Uh, very easy to see who employs CFA charter holders. You can see uh, 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 from the Institute themselves; they'll tell you who the largest employers are of CFA charter holders. So, it really is the who's who of banking and finance and perhaps a bit more leaning towards the asset management buy side of of, of the equation as opposed to the aggressive sell side uh, uh, part of the equation, uh, which I know you're familiar with. So that's essentially what I've been doing for the last few years. And um, and, uh, for the last uh, bunch of years, uh, pretty much setting up my own uh, enterprise, taking all of the tips and the tricks and the ways of learning uh, 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 and distilling it into a course uh, uh, and, and pushing that out because it is a hard qualification um, the pass rates are, are dismally low, and uh, I'm just trying to help people to uh, to to who come from a background like mine, which wasn't finance, to understand and get through some pretty rigorous content.
0: Great, John. Thank you so much. And and what advice would you give people? I mean, you've sort of described CFA as a bit of a gateway uh, yeah. into the world of finance and asset management and investment banking, and certainly something that we've spoken about quite a lot on our webinars. And I think a mm-hmm. lot of people might give some thought to as a career or an alternative career if they want to change tech, etc. I mean, what advice would you give somebody? It sounds like, you know, it's going to be a huge investment in time and possibly money and something that you should take quite seriously. But what advice do you have for people that might be thinking about CFA or they've heard about CFA or they want to get into that type of a career? You know, where should they study things that they need to know about or that you've seen, you know, in terms of helping people get through... Uh, the CFA process?
1: Yeah, I think um, the first thing is to get yourself informed, uh, set some expectations uh, for yourself as to what's actually required. Um, essentially, you're going to be walking away with a qualification that is as, if not more, respected than most master's programs. Whenever you get a master's program, if you ever get a master's in whatever, in finance, uh, it, they'll always ask where did you get it? and if it's, Unless it's a Harvard or a or, you know, some Ivy League school, um, people don't know what that, that particular MBA means, What is it? what that master's in finance means. It's, and the investment there would be, you know, multi, like 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 100, $200,000 for that program. Now, with the CFA, you're looking at a few thousand dollars uh, in terms of the fees that go to the institute themselves. So the cost is exponentially lower. However, this is the big catch you will be paying, but with your time, all right? Mm. There's a huge amount of content. And I think the biggest mistake of folk getting into CFA is they don't really understand the time commitment. It, it, you will pay for this qualification, but not with your money. Uh, it's a very, very affordable qualification, given the prestige that comes with it. Not to say that a few thousand dollars isn't a few thousand dollars, but you're looking at a few thousand dollars as opposed to uh, tens or hundreds of thousands of dollars, which you sometimes pay for other masters programs it, It's still it's still something insignificant, but by comparison By comparison, there's a very cheap qualification for the quality of what you get. The real investment is time now um, There are three levels of the CFA exam and each level of the exam you are look you are looking at a minimum investment of about 300 to 400 hours so, you know, you are looking at about 1,000-plus hours of work if you are successful in your first attempt for every exam. And most charter holders aren't. Most charter holders, the successful guys, will write between four and five exams. So what you're looking at, then, is potentially 1,500 hours of time. That is a, now, that's a difficult number to quantify, but let's make, it, um, let's make it nice and digestible. Let's say the average amount of time that people who are successful per level spend is about 300 hours. And let's then further imagine that you've got five months to prepare for a level. 300 hours, five months. Five months, let's assume that there's 30 days in every month. That's 150 days, right? Five times 30, 150 days. Okay, so we're going to take 300 hours to it by 150 days. What does that mean? It means two hours. Two hours every day for five months for one level. There are three. That means, Peter, if you didn't do your two hours today, I'm afraid you've got four hours to do tomorrow. And that number is real. That's a real number. That's something that uh, you can't jerry-rig. This is not an exam that is, um, uh, uh, um, what's the word? Uh, You you can't cram for this exam. There's just a huge amount of content, and it just takes time. And I think that is probably the most um, uh, missed point for folks who – uh, you get into this prematurely. They, don't, they haven't done the research. They don't understand that the investment will be in your time. And you've got to be able to compensate. You've got to be able to fit that into your lifestyle. It is a, it's doing CFAP. That's a lifestyle choice. <laughs>
0: okay. Yeah, no, loud and clear, John. I think very important there. And, you know, someone who spent a lot of time with those types of students, mm-hmm. uh, seeing them put a lot of time in, but then not enough time and fail. And lose those months and weeks and hours that they've spent doing that. So it's such valuable advice, I think, from you this afternoon already, John. And I see quite a few people, you know, joining us today um, who are already doing financial services uh, you know, at, for example, the University of Pretoria. Um, so Kanye Celia, for example, says she's in her final year. Now, how does the CFA fit into doing a financial type of degree? At a university. Do you cover some of the topics? Can you do it after you finished your, your varsity degree? Well,
1: Kinesile is a very typical kind of student that I would teach. In fact, um, I do a lot of work with the University of Exeter who um who bring me in in uh the either the final or the penultimate year of the master's program. Um and so I'd be teaching people like Kenisela uh, uh uh to get through the CFA. Now the CFA institute themselves have a uh, a university program where if you've got a master's program that is aligned to the CFA content, to a certain degree, then um, they will give the university permission to uh, 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 allow these students to study for the CFA prematurely, because remember, you wouldn't be allowed to normally study the CFA unless you've got a degree or a, uh, an accountant, a recognized accountancy qualification, remember, it's postgrad. So they give people like any the permission to study the CFA because of the overlap of their program. And I'm sure if it's in financial sciences, chances are she will be doing, uh, 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 um, sorry, uh, will be doing quads, will be doing economics, will be doing accountancy as part of her degree course. And so uh, because of the overlap, it makes sense to, uh, mm-hmm. to, uh, to, to, to give that uh, permission to, to those particular type of students. And what's amazing is that um, uh, imagine that you finish your, your, your degree, Right? And you've really got one, maybe, if you're really hardworking, two levels of the CFA under your belt. Mm. Most of the guys that I teach, they've already been working for two, three, four years, and now they're doing the CFA. You'd be so ahead of the curve if you if mm. you were in that position, like my students that I teach at, at the University of Exeter.
0: Okay, great. John, question here from Razonia. Now, I know that you were in Paris uh, teaching a cohort recently because you, you shared some... Um, wonderful pictures uh, from a suburb of paris where you happen to be taking a break during your cfa teaching we do get around to some wonderful parts of the world like paris and uh, razika here mm-hmm. says that she's in paris preparing cfa level one for november normally even if i wish to take it earlier what could be the best advice to be well prepared and to pass and that's exactly what you help so many people with every week
1: well, I think um, the first, well, first of all, well done for, for taking the leap, Rezika, and uh, actually signing up and, and making that commitment, because that's half the, half the, half the battle. Um, I think um, the biggest tip that I could give you is very, very early on, uh, try to establish a rhythm in your study, study routine. You know, remember, for CF level one, you're going to have to try and assimilate more pages of content in the King James Bible. There is so much content there. And it just takes time. Most folk will agree that there's no rocket science there. You're not sending someone to Mars like Elon Musk. But there is There is a lot of content. So, Razika, I would suggest really, really early on. You could, where are we now? We're in, uh, we're, 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 we're in May. So you've got June, July, August, September, October, November. You've got a solid five and a half, six months, don't you? So what I would do is benchmark yourself, uh, 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 um, Razika on about one and a half to two hours a day. That gives you a bit of time to have a day off here and there. But from now, dedicate one and a half to two hours a day, get into that rhythm as soon as possible, and attack the areas that scare you the most first. So that would typically be areas like accountancy and quants. But I know those were the two areas that scared me when I was studying my for number one, so I'd start with those, right? Uh, begin with, the, uh, begin with uh, uh, the, the, the harder areas first and establish a rhythm. Uh, and then get involved with our facebook group because um a lot of the uh, a lot of the tips and tricks that i'll be sharing will be via that facebook group which we'll mention later but that'll um, give you a bit more guidance uh, as to what we're going to be doing to support students preparing for the november exam
0: wonderful Jean. thank you and it's so important that we you know listen to our audience and and that's what you've been doing as you've spoken to students and seen what works for them and how the memory tricks have supported them in passing their exams etc I'm starting to pick up that you sort of have developed quite a specific uh, teaching style uh, which is fairly unique it differentiates you and has led to the success that you've had um, in the industry so maybe Jean, let's now go into you know a little bit of your teaching style and what you've packaged and you know what'll we'll be rolling out in the next few months and what people will be able to get access to in the Facebook group etc but I'm really curious just if you could break down what makes you so good as a CFA teacher <laughs>
1: Uh, well, thank you for that. I'll, I'll, I'll take it. Thank you. That's great. Always accept a compliment. Um, well, listen, maybe a bit of a story as to how I came about this. Um, I was running a, a course uh, in Frankfurt, a, a big five-day revision course, uh, very intensive nine to five, five days revision course in preparation for for a, for a level two exam, actually. Anyway, I had a student who came down from Switzerland to attend that course in Frankfurt, and after the course she was like, oh, Jean, this is just so cool, you know. What we really love as a group, she said, is we really love all of your mnemonics and tips and tricks and ways of learning things. Wouldn't it be nice, she said, if, you know, instead of like death by PowerPoint and all this extra material, we don't, we don't want more material. What we do want is all of those tips and tricks and mnemonics and, you know, naughty stories and my, my super big diagrams and all the stuff that you couldn't fit on a on a PPT, you know, all of that, all of that stuff. Can we not just put that together? Because that for us is the gold stuff. That's important for us. That what we yeah. find valuable. Uh, that's what we enjoy. And um, and you know, like I said, I've been doing this for 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 ages. And students come to me and they always say, Can, you know, give me your diagrams, tell me the stories. If you got ways of learning that, like you told us to learn that thing. So um, that's what I did. I packaged together all of my ways of learning. You know, I did not come from a traditional Finance background, right? I'm not. Uh, I'm not like our earlier uh, 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 person that he said that. Um, Sealy, he was saying, you know, she did a ma- doing her masters in financial services. I didn't have that background, so I had to come. A- I had to learn via my own way of doing things. Content, which traditionally, let's be honest, Peter, it's not the most riveting content in the world. No one would wake up and say, "Oh, today I'm really excited to learn a bit of accountancy. Forget about it. No one's unless unless you, Maybe you're an accountant, but even accountants would say, "Ah, oh, I'm excited to learn about deferred tax today." Yeah, exactly, exactly, exactly. Right. So, well, let's get let's get together and do some hypothesis testing. Yes, that's, yeah, exactly. No, no. So, I've got to. I've had to really slowly build myself up from a ground base of virtually zero, and then, and and realizing that path that I took from nothing to something. I can, you remember those steps and how uh, how I came to make common sense of some really abstract stuff. And, I've done, and I brought that into the classroom. There isn't, I'm the anti-material guy. I, I, I don't think we need more material. Like I said, you've got so much material at your disposal. Just the CFN two curriculum is massive. Most people get some third-party material as well. On top of that, we don't need more slides. We don't need more textbooks. We don't need more question banks. What we need is a way to learn. And so it is all graphic. It's storytelling. It's politically incorrect joke. It's colourful. It's mnemonics, and it's just the way my brain works. So uh, that's what I've put together, and um, that's always been the feedback that I've had from the uh, the courses that I've run in the past. Um, it's 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 those naughty things. This, for example, here that you just put up. This is a <laughs> this is a put-call parody. Uh, It's a way of valuing a put option or a call option or a share or a bond based on two portfolios that will, in all states of the universe, have the same value. And it's, you know, P.S. plus C.B., all right, well, let's try to remember that, right? How do we remember this? Another, another, one of the hundreds of equations we have to remember. Well, you know, James Bond has a wonderful night of passion with the femme fatale, and she wakes up the next morning. She's gone, but she's left him a letter. And it goes, dear James, you were wonderful last night, lots and lots of love miss galore and then at the bottom it says ps you know postscript ps ps call me bond this is the ps call me bond formula ps c plus b so this is the ps call me bond formula it's it's one of the things that we that we teach in derivatives um and there's lots of versions of that as we go through
0: wonderful Jean. thank you and uh absolutely you know you've got that distinctive teaching style and You know, I've looked at a lot of your content where you sort of are drawing on a board and then talking about something and making it real and interesting for somebody and just really helping with the recall, if you like, at a later stage. And what I also really value and I think is a differentiator for you is that you've got such a good sense of uh, what is the most tested material in the CFA. Mm -hmm. And if you can link the memory devices to that and you are engaged in that material, then you've understood the pathway to success and passing your CFA exam because I guess not all areas of the curriculum are equal you've understood which are the most important parts you've made it interesting and engaging for people to remember package that into your lessons and that I think is one of the big pluses uh, that people will have when they come into um, your uh, your training um, I've got a question here from um, somebody here who would like to say they've got a BCOM in financial management and currently financial AML analyst would CFA be useful in pursuing a career in financial crime?
1: Well, a lot of um, I've got, let me give you a case study. I had um, a, a, a student who was working for one of the, the, the top three largest management consultancy firms um, who, um, although he was not looking to go into the, uh, the finance world per se, perhaps a little bit on the outside, uh, and perhaps like financial crime, all right? There's a lot of that around at the moment. Um, uh, he was doing the CFA because because most of his clients that he was servicing were the finance industry. He was looking after the big banks, the big asset managers. And so the reason why he was doing the CFA was because he he got the feedback from his customers that, if you get a few letters or a few levels behind your name uh, of the CFA, it gives you credibility when those are your clients. Now you've already, you, you know, you've got a, a, a BCom financial management degree. Uh, you get the CFA on top of that. You've got credibility, all right. And I think that's that's where that's where the, the value of the designation comes from, uh, uh, Minakishi, Minak Minakshi. Um, that's where the credibility comes from. Uh, I think that's a big reason why folk who are perhaps not focusing on pure finance it could be financial crime it could be an anti-money laundering analyst um, it could be uh, 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 some so uh, many tech guys do it uh, because again they might have the tech experience or even the accountancy experience but they don't have they don't have the literacy to be able to talk to guys who are working in the financial markets and so especially CF level one I call it the world's largest or the world's toughest financial literacy exam it's just a financial literacy exam. So whether your clients are talking about the economic situation whether they're talking about buy side, sell side, different asset classes, derivatives, types of shares, you, you're not intimidated, you, you understand what's going on. So in short, yes.
0: Great, fantastic. Great answer there, John. Thank you so much for that. Um, yeah, sure. We've got River Ningo here, who's a master's in criminology at the University of Limpopo. And then we've got Kingston here, what career options? I mean, I think this is a fantastic question. What career options would I have if I decide to do a CFA course, I guess, complete one of the levels, what are the three levels of the CFA exams?
1: Well, Kingston, um, pretty much in line with my previous previous answer, you know, if you are looking to pursue a career in finance, right? If you are looking to work for the world's largest banks, world's largest asset managers, even a lot of the world's largest insurance companies, um, if that is the path that you've decided for yourself and you don't want to be necessarily involved on the, uh, uh, you know, the, 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 the um, high street banking retail side, but more on the serious corporate side of things, you'd be hard pressed to find a better qualification to do than the CFA. It provides you with that degree of credibility. So in terms of career options, you are looking at things. Um, the, the stereotypical uh, role that you would uh, be pursuing uh, if you were doing the CFA would be to try and get yourself as a junior portfolio manager role or a portfolio or, uh, a portfolio analyst. Those are the kind of guys who are going to be looking at shares and bonds and derivatives and analyzing them, providing recommendations to their managers as to whether or not they buy, sell, sell, particular shares make those acquisitions etc cetera, etc cetera. so it's portfolio management roles it's analyst roles um, generic business analyst roles so it's more on the buy side as opposed to the sell side that being said I work a lot with uh, uh, the with uh, the occasional investment bank person who uh, who wants to service his buy side clients more um, and uh, again it just gives you credibility so if you are in wholesale finance if you are in the serious side of finance not so much high street banking you know uh, uh, that side but more in the wholesale finance world most everybody knows the cfa it is just one of those qualifications that is uh, if you're going to work in any major financial center like new york or hong kong or or, 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 or london they will know the cfa so um, mm. in terms of career Career options. You wouldn't. I wouldn't just uh, say, "Okay, well, uh, uh, um, uh, what particular role are you looking for?" But uh, where in the world would you like to work, right? Mm. I know I'd like to have the green mamba passport, all right, and how restricted that was for me initially. Getting the CFA and the charter for me was a very important step to ultimately being able to travel the world. And even though I went to the best business school in Africa, nobody really understood who Fitz Business School was when I came to London. Mm. what they did know they did know the cfa so it's international passport right um Mm -hmm. and that i think is you cannot you cannot value that more highly if you have aspirations perhaps to work abroad i think and you want to work in finance doing the cfa and then working in a non-finance related industry um you know if you're going to be uh, you know looking for to work for the airline industry for example don't do the cfa uh Mm -hmm. you want to be you want to work in finance in some way or shape or form CFA is a really good qualification. The Financial Times, probably the most widely read uh, publication uh, in finance in the world, they they refer to it. They refer to it as the gold standard. Mm, so it does yeah. give you international credibility, regardless of where in the world you teach. Uh, yeah. And that's why I have, you know, travelled the world teaching CFA stuff. That's why even when I was teaching in Paris a few days ago, um, we had students from literally all over the world there was even a guy who had flown in from South America from Peru all right he's now he, he now came to paris to, to 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 live and he was doing the CFA perhaps in the same way somebody from South Africa might want to do the CFA to get that that, that sort of golden ticket there and it's no guarantee by the way it's no guarantee that you will land a job or a role it does however put you into that pile that might not be thrown away Mm, you know, mm, so jobs. Oh, let me see i, I need somebody who oh somebody's done the cfa that guy's worth that guy's worth a second look yeah,
0: Right? yeah yeah great Jean. question here from buzz um hmm. how complex is the accountancy in the exam he's doing an engineering degree how long would it take him to cover that aspect of the content compared to someone who has been doing an accounting degree and as you Mm. You start, I'm going to start putting up our Facebook group, for example, because I think that would be a great place for Boz to start, to come into there, get a sense of the topics, have a look at it, and and maybe even ask that question in the group. Um, but your thoughts just from from an engineering perspective into CFA?
1: Yeah, definitely join the Facebook group, Boz, but um, I, I have lost count of the number of engineers, specifically engineers. There are a lot of engineers who uh, who, who do CFA. Um, remember, the typical role that you're filling, that you're looking to fill, linking to the last question, is an analyst role. Engineers, very often, by their predisposition, are analysts. They're problem solvers. That's another way of defining an analyst, right, as a problem solver. So the, um, the, the we have many, many analysts, uh, many, many engineers that do the course, but also many accountants that do the course. Now, um, I'm not going to try and sugarcoat it for you, Buzz. But the fact of the matter is, if you do not have an accountancy background, like I didn't, and you do the CFA, the, the the accountancy is always, always the hardest. Right? Everyone struggles with the accountancy if they don't have an accounting qualification. So, but the thing is, Buzz, the majority, the vast majority of people that I teach are not accountants do not have an accountancy qualification so you won't be special <laughs> for for not necessarily having that accountancy qualification um so but i would what i would do if i were you is i would specifically if you do know in the cfa start with the accounts give yourself time and patience um have patience with yourself and it does take a bit of time but i mean if i can just share my screen quickly peter um, or is, is, is it logged in? No, it's not logged in anymore for some reason. Okay, is it in? No, it's sign me out. Okay, so no, oh, time out. So, um, the way that I teach accountancy it's not debits and credits, it's not trial balances, it's not uh, ledgers, it's not. I mean, if you want to do that, that's fine. Do an accountancy qualification, right? Um, uh, 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 uh and to be frank, that's why God invented accountants and bookkeepers. You're not doing that type of accountancy. You're not doing uh, uh, the accountancy from the perspective of, of, of being an accountant or being a bookkeeper. If you want to be a bookkeeper, do a course or, or hire someone to be a bookkeeper and pay them $20 an hour, right? Um, rather what we're looking at it uh, as is from the perspective of somebody who's analyzing a company deciding whether or not you want to buy or sell that company shares. You're trying to look at the final financial statements that an accountant gives you, the income statement, the balance sheet, the cash flows. And you want to try and look through all of the accountancy nonsense, and there is a lot of accrual-based accountancy nonsense in accounts, and try to make sense of it from an investment pers- uh, perspective. So as you work your way through the levels, what we first do is learn what the accountants are doing, and then subsequent, subsequently we say, well, what makes sense here? What, what is the re- economic reality? And we try and reconcile those two. It wouldn't, be, wouldn't come as a massive surprise to you, would it, that a lot of companies massage and manage those numbers, right? Uh, so we're trying to see through all of that nonsense and try to make a, an investment decision uh, looking at the financial statements. But there's no getting around it. You do have to do the accounts. But what I would say for you, as somebody who absolutely hated anything accountancy related, doing mm-hmm. the CFA for me was more interesting because it wasn't looking at it from debits and credits, trial balances yeah. and measures was looking at it from the perspective of somebody who's looking to make an investment decision, which is a totally different kind of fashion.
0: Yeah. I mean, just looking at the lesson we've got up here on the screen, and I was going through it last night, but, you know, assets equals liabilities plus equity, right? I mean, yeah. and I, when I tried accountancy at school, it was very dry mm. and rules-based and almost um, bureaucratic in nature. But when I listened to your lesson here about, as you say, valuing companies, you know, on the buy side, potentially, and just making linkages with, you know, other aspects in life that brings it to, to makes it real for you. Uh, in terms of getting these concepts, I almost find myself enjoying, you know, the subject and then learning as I was enjoying it and, and experiencing your very sort of um, authentic and uh, witty uh, yeah. and teaching style, which we've got it up here on the screen. Yeah, I've
1: got to interrupt you. I've got to interrupt you. I just don't believe anybody who says when they learn accountancy they're enjoying it. You know, <laughs> let's, let's, let's keep this real. But let me teach you. I can teach you a balance sheet right now. If you look at that equation, it's A-L-E, right, A-L. I call it the B-A-R equation because that's what they call B-A here, A-L. Assets, liabilities, and equity. Well, you can do a balance sheet for yourself right now. Assets is everything a company owns, right? So what do you own right now? Do a list of everything you own, Peter. Liabilities is what you owe. Well, what do you owe, Peter? Take everything you own minus everything you owe what's left. Well, that's the end. That's it. When I do that calculation, I get very depressed. Add up everything you own, subtract everything you owe what's left. That's a balance sheet for a company. That's all it is. Everything the company owns, the assets. Everything the company owes, the liability. And the net figure is the equity. So it's that. That's all a balance sheet is. And a cash flow statement can be the, the, the confusing one here is the income statement. But we don't have time to do that right now. But, yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah, Jean, thank you so much. Very powerful uh, insights there. And uh, there are a couple of uh, questions here as well. Let's just pick those up as we go. Undergrad finance degree. Here's a good question. Would you recommend a CFA versus an honours in continuation of that finance degree?
1: Honestly, I would. I I 100% would. Why? Because uh, Because of that international recognition. And the rigor i will say this for a fact that doing my cfa was the hardest qualification i'd ever pursued it's just rigorous man there's a lot there and it's broad right so if you do an honors program first of all if it's not from a top tier one uh entity right uh, 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 uh unless it's from one of the famous no one really knows what's in your honors program mm. because if you got it from Vits or tux or UCT or Stellenbosch, yeah, they're all slightly different, aren't they? They're going to Mm. all slightly different, different focuses, different uh, perceptions of quality, blah, 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 blah. Also, it's quite expensive. Mm. But if you do the CFA, you're not going to be paying as much in terms of the qualification. However, that's with money. What you will be paying with a lot is your time. Time. What that will give you is the first step in the international sort of recognition ladder, right? Which is what the CFA is. So if you have any sort of international uh, uh, aspirations, Naledi, um, then I would suggest maybe doing the CFA instead of an honors program. Obviously, that's, you know, sometimes you want to just do an honors or master's because, hey, it means you're smart, right?
0: Mm-hmm. Trust
1: me, I had to do a coin, coin toss between a uh, honors student and a CFA level one student. I would always choose the CFA level one student. Because I know that he would have passed either because he's crazy smart or he passed because he's crazy hardworking, right? You've got to be one of those two things to pass CFA, either crazy smart or crazy hardworking, right? And I would like either of those attributes, that's for sure. And I know that Naledi and, I don't know, in Butcher Stroom, who did that, well, you've got a qualification that is even recognized here in London, in New York, and in Shanghai. So you just got to ask yourself, lady personally, which, would, which which is more important to you, right? I think that's a personal question, isn't
0: it? Yeah, brilliant. And of course, John, I mean, you're here to help people. So yes, they're going to be investing their time and putting a lot of effort into it, but you need the right advice. You need the right person that's been through it, that's got the tips and the tricks and everything there, uh, which you're going to be making available in the coming months. So what is it, Jean, exactly? Let's just run through, you know, what are the, the sort of three critical things that you're going to be helping people with that if they decide to go into a CFA or they're already doing a CFA and looking for assistance. etc. Let's just work through then those three critical things that uh, you're going to be helping people with in the next few months as you roll out this sort of new support uh, program for everyone.
1: Well, I think the first thing most importantly is the community, right? So what we're doing is we're building a whole Facebook community of people who, who either are looking to do it or interested in doing it, are doing it or have done it right? And um, to get the guys who have done it to support those who are doing it and and in that process, the guys who are thinking about doing it can see what the guys who are doing it are going through. Right? So just to create a bit of a forum, a space where uh, we can start sharing and use, uh, you're most welcome, we, we, we can use that, uh, that, uh, that sort of hive of, of, of folk. And what happens quite often is that we start recognizing that the, that the same questions get asked again and again and again. I know for a fact there's going to be deferred tax questions. I know for a fact there's going to be hypothesis testing questions. I know there's going to be guys, oh, I don't understand anything about derivatives because I've been doing this for so long. It's always the same questions. I know what to expect in those groups. But then also general questions like, guys, are okay, we doing this? Which kind of companies here in South Africa or elsewhere recognize this qualification? Has anybody joined the UK, uh, the, CF, uh, the CFA Society in South Africa? Has anybody gone to any of the events? Why don't we go together, guys? Let's go to one of these events, get a bit of the community. So that's the first thing. Second, support. So uh, by this community, we can start linking, uh, you know, some question sharing and, and, and again, you're going to find that chances are, if you've got that question, there's going to be another dozen people who've got the same question and the same questions come up again and again. So it's just a support mechanism, especially as you go through the levels. And so we want to get guys who perhaps got through level one, now doing level two, maybe helping the guys in level one. The guys who are attempting level two, help other guys who got through level two or are now doing level three. So support. So community and support are two. And then obviously, I want to start sharing uh, my way of doing things. All right? No death bar PowerPoints, no debits and credits, no – I mean, literally no additional material apart from these rather extravagant, mind-mappy things that you and I build together, right? Really, that's it. So I want to start sharing my, my, my online courses with you as well uh, and just try to get a different way of teaching out there because I do think bad teaching is so common. Right. I just think there's a way, way, way better way of doing it. I have been doing it for a large amount of time, and I, I just want to share my way of doing things uh, with everyone. So um, it's going to be my online courses there as well. So I think, yeah, those are the three things, right? Community support and, and those online courses.
0: Fantastic, John. And, I mean, I think just on the online courses, um, and am I correct in saying that, I mean, you're going to be rolling out, you know, a course for each of the main topic areas, in level one and two, and that'll be sort of throughout um, the second half of the year. And then eventually you'll be building up to sort of a level one masterclass and a level two masterclass, et cetera. Yeah. And then people can pick from those courses which ones they want to do um, to take advantage of your incredible teaching and experience on CFA.
1: Well, that, that, that's exactly right. Um, so so what we're not going to do is a sort of a cover-to-cover, cover, uh, 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 you know, let's go through every single page and, and make sure every... Because there's a lot of content there, which is incredibly solid and regurgitated, either you know or you don't, fact-based kind of content, which any lecturer would not be able to add value to. But many lectures attempt to. They just read out lists. Forget about it. You can do that faster on your own. What I have figured out over the years is there are particular things that students always find challenging. It's deferred Mm. tax. It's hypothesis testing. It's fixed income interest rate risk. It is... Uh, uh, derivatives. It's always those areas. So what I've done is I've specifically focused on those areas that I've found over the last bunch of years students find problematic. Like the accountancy. Everybody hates the accountancy, so I've focused a lot on that, right? And then tie up all my ways of learning into one big idea that you can knit together at the end. We'll call that the master's program if you want to use that analogy. But yeah, the idea would be that maybe you are an accountancy guy, so the account is not something you need. But you know what you're really struggling with? You're really struggling with the quantum hypothesis testing. Or maybe, maybe you're that engineering guy and you're, you, you eat up the maths for breakfast, but you're really struggling with the accountancy. So you just want to deal with the accountancy stuff. Forget about the maths. I, I, I've I got that. But I want to do yeah. the accountancy stuff. So you can just do the accountancy module or the portfolio management mm-hmm. or the fixed income or the derivatives or whatever.
0: Brilliant. Brilliant. Uh, Jean, let's one last question, I think, and then I'm going to ask Tracy to join us because we've got a very exciting announcement to make uh, as part of our Student Success Coach Facebook group. But Commission uh, Mulam here says, MCOM Financial Management at Tux wrote CFA Level 1 five years ago and failed. Now, I don't know what they've been doing since then. Maybe they can elaborate in the chat. But, you know, Commission is somebody that we'd really like to invite Um, into our uh, group and to offer our courses because, you know, we really believe that we can turn those stories around, right, John? I mean, they can find, they can come back to it, they can succeed, they can enjoy it, and you can unlock that gold standard for them. You can give them that CFA passport that just rekindles their dreams that obviously they would have had at some stage, otherwise they wouldn't have gone into it, and perhaps get a new lease on life uh, through a second attempt that you can help them with.
1: Well, you know, uh, uh, Commission, the, you're, you're not special because the majority of people who write CFA fail. In fact, through the three levels, historically, pass rates to level one and level two have been about 40%. And historically, level three has been 50%. Now, let's make those numbers real. Uh, if you took 100 people that started studying, out of a hundred, forty would historically have passed level one to get to level two. Out of those 40 that are now writing level two, 40% of 40, 16 16 would get to level 3, and of those 16 that get to level 3, 50% of 16, eight, uh, 8. So out of 108, now those are all the historical pass rates, but now what we've seen is there's been massive move towards computer-based testing, and the pass rates plummeted as low as 22% for level 1, 20-something percent for level 2. So the pass rates have gone even worse over the last few years, which is why... I found more people coming on courses because they they're they scared. It's it's a scary, difficult course to pass, and it seems to be getting more scary and more difficult. But with that, the prestige is going up. So yeah. out of 100 people, eight got through wow. to eight out of 100, right? So I remember the first undergrad course that I sat on. My, my, I was, uh, one of my professors gets up in front, doesn't say hello, doesn't say anything. He says, he comes in. He's a rather angry-looking Afrikaans man. He says... Look at the man to your left, look at the girl to your right. Wave them goodbye. Because wow. he says that's how bad the pass rates are, right? <laughs> and if a level for CFA, you can wave goodbye to the guy to the left, the guy to the right, the guy in the front, and the guy in the back. Because yeah. that's how many people around you are gonna fail. But we generate better pass rates, right? Yeah.
0: What, what but, are you what are your average pass rates, uh John, that you that you in the industry, I mean, comparatively yeah. speaking that you've experienced over the years based on your unique teaching style?
1: The pass rates are very, very difficult to define. Uh, And the reason being is that the uh, those who start those who don't finish those who write uh, the exam or those who uh, finish the course but don't write the exam, those who write the exam, but then don't give me the feedback. But, um, you know, it's not uncommon for me to have a class of CF Level one students where between 85 and 95% of students pass. The most recent course that I ran with the big Goldman Sachs call, group, for example, I think we got everybody through except one. All right. So, you know, it does fluctuate a lot, uh, 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 but I'm proud of my pass rates. I can't boast about it too hard because uh, yeah. you know, the, the data, the data points aren't rigorous enough, c- collected rigorously enough. And up until just recently, you weren't allowed to quote your pass rates according to the yeah. CFO Institute. So... We yeah. just definitely, but I, I am very proud of of the guys that I get through, and it is by far and away a majority of folk as opposed to a minority, which I'm very yeah. very proud yeah. of. Yeah.
0: And you just have to go into your LinkedIn page, for example, and see all the recommendations and the endorsements and the anecdotal examples. I think of one by one, you know, the number yeah. of people that you've helped and the sort of testimonials uh, that they've given you. Um, there, John. Yeah. So that's.
1: Yeah. Uh, I, I would really invite everybody. Please feel free to join my LinkedIn network. Um, yes. Just jump onto LinkedIn. You can see my name there, Jean Berger. Uh, just yeah. uh, feel free to, uh, to add yourself to my network. We've got a few thousand folk that I've taught over the years and um, you know, tap into that network. Maybe maybe you can use it to find your next job, right? Uh, or maybe help me find my next job. Who knows? Uh, yeah. Yeah. You tap into my LinkedIn sure. network. You're most welcome.
0: <laughs> Last quick question, Jean. Yes or no? Is it possible to get a job with only the level one or do you need all the three levels? Uh
1: Coquetto, uh, absolutely. Uh, it's, again, it's not going to be a case of because you've got CF level one, you will get the job. It's never that, as you know. You know that you're not going to be guaranteed a job by getting CF level one, but it does lend credibility. Even just having level one does give you credibility. In fact, a lot of my students who, um, who are working on the periphery of finance, like those management consultants, like general accountants, uh, a, lot, a lot of the tech guys just do level one. Right, because they know that they're looking after these finance uh, industry guys as clients, and they want to better serve them. They need to have a degree of financial literacy. So yes, it's not going to guarantee you a job, but would have put you into the pile that you know of CVs that requires a second look. I think the answer mm-hmm. to that is definitely yes.
0: Okay, brilliant. Okay, good. So in other words, John, yes, you can do level one. Uh, we've had a couple of questions where you know work-life balance but you do have to set significant amount of time aside get the right support the right teaching like yourself and the facebook group and then at least that time won't be wasted get through level one and then you've got a very good chance of getting a job with an international recognized gold standard finance qualification john thank you that's been an absolutely fantastic chat and absolutely looking forward to launching all of those courses uh, as we work together on them and as you roll them out and uh, you know people are able to take advantage of your A fantastic teaching experience so welcome to tracy uh tracy's joined us now just to talk about the uh, competition that we've been running in our facebook group hello tracy how are you tell us about uh, the laptop giveaway that we've been running in the facebook group not not I'm the CFA sorry. group, the Student Success Coach group. Tracy.
2: Absolutely. I'll tell you about that now. But I have to say, Jean, I'm in awe. I'm so, super excited to meet you. Um, I, I know of you and I know so much about you. And having recruited graduates for 20 years for investment banks, you know, abroad and here, I, I have to concur that the CFA is the most powerful qualification that I um you know, that I look for or appreciate or recognize in, in recruiting. I can't uh, sing its praises enough. Um so yeah it's it's great to connect. But the
1: praise pleasure is the mine. all mine. The
2: <laughs> We're super excited about this laptop uh, giveaway, and it all—it all sort of came about a couple of uh, months ago when I was interviewing someone, uh, a student for a bursary, and he was really struggling to connect in the interview because uh, he—he didn't—he was using his phone and he kept disconnecting, and I said listen, um, if you go through to the final rounds with Amazon, they're going to need to be able to s- hear you. And, and where's your laptop? And he said, I don't have one. And I said, could you borrow one? And he said, there is one that he can try and get. But I interviews are ex- of, of very nerve wracking, let alone when your technology is not working. So I said, I don't know if it's going to work, but I'll put on my Facebook, if anyone has a laptop that they're no longer using, would they be able to, would they be open to donating it? And within minutes, I had so many people messaging to say that they would buy a new laptop. And in fact, a friend, a good friend of mine who was in private equity at Rand Merchant Bank, Janaid, he took him off into town, bought him a fabulous laptop. But I then had other friends coming and saying, well, we're also happy to contribute if there are any other people who are looking for laptops and students need laptops, students have debt and aspirations, and they need laptops. And so we've been able to with donations from, you know, from my friend um, circle, we've been able to continue to to give out laptops. And today we have one which we're going to um, announce shortly. And I'm super excited. What I w- what was interesting for me, guys, was when looking at the different motivations. Not only were I mean you were courageous in sharing your stories in a very public sort of um, uh, form platform um, uh, in your motivations. I really I r- you respect that greatly. The other thing was it struck me how supportive you were of each other's comments and how everyone was engaging and backing you. And then another observation was how many of you mentioned paying it forward. And you know, with Peter and I, that's a huge thing. All of this that we do is donated time because it's something we love doing. And we love people to then pay it forward. And then saying things like, if I were to get a laptop, I would be able to help the less advantaged children in my community with extra lessons, or I could do this, or I could share So I think that's a mindset that we really um, value
0: a lot. Wonderful, Tracy. So just to remind everybody of the rules, uh, they had to comment with their motivation on a certain post um, in the Student Success Coach Facebook group. And then the three comments with the most reactions were the finalists. And of those three finalists, you were going to choose one of them, which you're going to announce now. And just looking at the three finalists that you sent me, We had one from engineering, one from criminology, and one from finance. So can you go ahead and announce the winner that you've chosen from those three, uh, all of whom got very similar numbers of reactions, uh, but we left it to your discretion to determine within those three, which one was going to be the winner. Go for it.
2: It was uh, super difficult, actually, this time, and knowing that we only had one. So... Without, without further ado, I'd like to say, Cajiso, a well deserving um, recipient of a laptop. Congratulations.
0: So, Cajiso was our engineering student, yeah. and he, he did actually get the most number of reactions at 158. Uh, so, that was our, our winner based on reactions and based on your uh, subjective evaluation of the three finalists. That's wonderful news, Tracy. Uh, Thank you for judging that uh, competition. Uh, Kahisa, you'll need to just DM me in the Facebook group and I'll get your details and we'll send you that laptop. (laughs) And if anybody's got any doubts, you know, these are legitimate and we've shown pictures of people that have won laptops previously. And I will send you the, uh, so that will arrive hopefully next week. Tracy, thank you so much. Anything else from your side?
2: No, and I was just going to say I really love the way Cajiso gave an example. So he was not only saying things are tough, um, but like he actually has to ask his friends to to borrow their laptops, and sometimes they don't want to give. And I thought, oh, they're being unkind, and then I, I read because they're also working on the laptop. So I just really like the fact that he. Um, Wait a minute! I've just had a message, Pete. Mm-hmm. There, there's another. Mm-hmm. Laptop. There's another laptop from a friend from of mine. From our donor. Yes, he has wow, just wow. You're kidding. He, another. He said, yeah. He,
0: that's incredible. So we have another laptop to give away.
2: Inda Tandazile, you also have a laptop.
0: Wow. I hope okay. You can we, that's that's amazing. So okay, brilliant, Tracy. So we've got two to give away. Indalena Tandazile, which. Oh, and that was our finance student. So uh, yes. that's 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 great news. So uh, good that we're talking about finance and giving a finance student uh, some help with their studies. And they had the second number of reactions. So our first and second winners come from the first and second uh, most uh, reacted comment on the post in the Facebook group. Well, Tracy, please tell our donor a huge thank you. Oh, wow. And uh, again, Indaleni, yes. if you can please send me your details today, we'll be in touch. I'll get your delivery address and we'll sort out that uh, laptop for you uh, as you we've must, committed to uh, today.
2: These guys, you must tell us if you're on the line. I'm, I'm so excited. So my yeah. friend who has donated this laptop from Dalena, is um, a very senior investment banker and who I hired as a graduate many years ago. So that's a really cool story.
0: That's amazing, Tracy. Thank you so much. appreciate that. And uh, a huge thank you to your friend and colleague for their uh, very generous donation. And again, that's just, you know, it excites me. And John was talking about the importance of creating community around these different topics. And uh, certainly in the CFA community, and hopefully, Tracy, you're going to be able to support uh, you know that community and we'll get donations in there for whatever people need it may not be similar to what we found a need for in the student success coach group um, but whatever support and help uh, our CFA community need uh, we'll look to get people on board to help them out there and uh, before we let John go as we launch uh, and as we create a little bit of hype and awareness about the new CFA content and support that he's rolling out we thought we'd give away a laptop to somebody on the call today uh, we're going to run a little bit of a question just now is, you
1: have a laptop for, for these guys now
0: yeah we so we've got a third laptop available uh so Jean, what what i'm going to do is i'm going to put a question up on the screen and then i want you to judge it and the winner will be the person who replies correctly to the question the first in the chat okay
1: Okay, so, so giving away a laptop now, you're going to flash a question, and the first guy that responds, is it going to yeah. be something to do with the CFA
2: stuff?
1: Yeah,
0: so so it'll be a question related to, to the conversation that we had, John, about CFA. Okay, I hope I know the answer. And... Hey?
1: I hope I know the answer. Can I enter? <laughs> no, you're not allowed to. No, you're not allowed to enter.
0: And uh, what I would ask if, if, if guys, if you've got a laptop already, then I mean, you know, let's rather give somebody an opportunity who genuinely today, and I would presume is watching from their phone and doesn't have a laptop, uh, would like a chance to get a laptop and genuinely deserves it and for whom it will make a genuine difference uh, in their lives. It's not about giving you a spare second or third laptop that you keep in the cupboard. Uh, people who don't have laptops genuinely cannot do their studies or their work. And that's really what we want to achieve Uh, we know with all these giveaways so in the last few minutes uh, of our webinar today with a a decent number of people still on the line I'm going to flash the question up on the screen and then John is going to judge the correct answer the first correct answer let's just be strict on the rules uh, coming through in the chat so stand by uh, your keyboards and let's stick it up now All right. So hopefully we get some answers. Hopefully people know the answer to this because that did come up in the in the questions and the discussion with John, um, because that's a it's a it's a fairly important piece uh, of the whole sort of CFA uh, program, if you like.
1: I'm CFA, I'm and, and
0: uh, oh, there we go. Okay, I we got can some go. Who's the first? Right? you
1: see? Can you see, can you see
0: it? Okay right can you see you are the winner of our third laptop today congratulations fantastic Amazing. That was quick
2: topic. Okay. <laughs>
0: Exactly. okay right we've closed that now guys so so no more comments there can you see if you could please i hope that you are in the facebook group and you can just dm me in the facebook group um and then i'll also get your details so that's three people uh, that we've given laptops today which is absolutely fantastic thanks to tracy's donor Thanks to Jean for your inputs and the exciting developments around CFA. Uh, Tracy, thank you for judging the competition. And before we go, uh, Jean, last thoughts from your side, just encouraging people to get involved, join the Facebook group, and look forward to everything you've got rolling out in the next few months.
1: Yeah, there's a lot coming, guys. So I'll join the, I really recommend just join the Facebook group. It doesn't cost you anything. And just uh, get involved a little bit, get informed, do your research. And if you're going to make the uh, the leap into CFA land, It's a lifestyle choice. It is a big commitment, but it's worth it. I look forward to being a partner with you.
0: Wonderful. Thank you, Jean. Appreciate your time with us and look forward to building up that community with you and successfully launching those courses uh, in partnership with yourself. I think there's a lot of value there and uh, people that want to get involved and take the leap will really uh, be setting themselves up for success if they get you uh, on their side and all the content and support that you can provide. Tracy, goodbye. Thank you. Last thoughts from yourself?
2: Thank you. I am super excited at so many times when I'm interviewing someone, I say, you'd really benefit from the C- CFA. And they say, where would you, where do I even start? And I'm like, I don't know. So now I can actually say, you know what, we have this whole toolkit ready
0: yep 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 and tracy actually what we'd like you to do is to go to all your networks um in rmb and standard bank and all the local banks and internationally where you're involved and spread that message out there and everybody that's been on the call today uh please do spread the message that we've got john now setting up a community and support and online courses etc uh so that you can get everything that you need to be successful with the cfa sounds good
2: okay all right
0: guys Super. have a good weekend all Take care and congratulations to our three winners. Cheers, guys.
2: Bye, guys.